So the question today is, do we bill our client directly or do we play the chess match with the insurance company? We're going to have a great podcast. Welcome to episode 24. Today, we're actually doing something new and live again. Uh, we're taking some live callers on this topic. We're actually streaming this podcast live through our disaster podcaster page. Um, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. I want to cover some other topics first. Um, and then we're going to jump right into it and, and hopefully have a really good about an hour of some good discussion that we can walk away with. So stay tuned, listen in, and let us know um, if you want to call in. See you in a few minutes. back everybody episode 24 disaster podcaster my name is clark brown with restoration advisors this is the first time you're tuning in thank you and welcome if you are returning and you catch all of our episodes i can't tell you how grateful we are um, i recently found out that we have a lot more listeners and viewers because this shows up on our youtube channel than i ever would have imagined i don't know what that means but we're grateful that we're able to talk about things, create some conversation. So um, actually skipped a few weeks. I want to take care of a few things. Today we're going to be talking about uh, insurance, billing insurance, or billing care up, excuse me, billing uh, the, the client, the insured on our restoration mitigation emergency services. And it, this could this could be a, a construction topic too. I don't think it's isolated to that. But this conversation comes up a lot about billing your client direct. So we wanted to, um, we put out a, a, a post online and got a ton, actually someone else started one too, and had a hundred and something um, comments. And we wanted, to, uh, we wanted to bring that into this environment and have an open discussion. You can only do so much online. But first I want to talk about, um, there's a, we missed a few weeks. We Our last episode, 23, which was, with our sponsor, uh, Kevin Dooley and Kahi Incorporated. Kahi is a, a very, very robust and growing. Apparently, they have some new information out in the next weeks. But um, they are asset tracking and telematics um, of, of, of software. Uh, assets being your equipment, your fans, dehumidifiers, scrubbers, anything you want to track, as well as your fleet and, and even your your people. There's some there's some there's some telematics in there. It's a really, really great software. It's affordable. It's scalable. And they are integrating with a lot of the very popular CRMs and software that are out there now. So we want to thank Kahi uh, for their you know, sponsorship, for their friendship. And if you want to check out episode 23, the one before this, you'll have a, a really good insight of how we came about uh, Kevin came about developing the company and even what Kahi means. It's a really cool story. So, uh, the reason I was out a few weeks was, um, I got, I had to take a road trip. I had, um, I had the last quarter of this year, the team and I've been working on a lot of things, but I'd kind of front loaded a lot of my, I, I, I packed a lot of the travel that I needed to do into a, a tight schedule started out. Um, this is about three weeks ago. I left, I had to do a couple of days in Las Vegas for a meeting. Don't like Las Vegas. 
don't kill me. Anybody's from there, no offense, but I had to do two days there for a pretty, pretty strong business meeting. It went well. Flew straight from there to my yearly hiatus sabbatical. I usually take a couple of days to a week in Montana at a remote, um, I, I dare say off the grid because I still had cell signal and whatnot, but I tried to pretend like I didn't. But uh, to a cabin, uh, really just a cabin. I like the cold, feel like a lumberjack for a couple of days, and I spend a lot of time resting and, and not chasing emails and not chasing problems and spend that time getting some ideas out of my head, planning for next year, being creative, doing a lot of writing, and then just hiking. Just, just if I recommend everyone do that, whether it's sun in the beach or whether it's mountain in the cold or skiing or whatever it is you do, but I definitely, 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 definitely recommend everyone does a reset from time to time. Um, then I had to go down and finish our last large loss mastery in Florida with Tom McGuire at Cape Canaveral. It was our final class of the year. It was a mega course. It was a five-year anniversary of Large Loss Mastery. So we had a really big week, a really big celebration, and finished up there. So back home, back on task, trying to finish some things up and getting ready for Christmas. So um, Christmas is coming up. We're recording this today on December the 21st, the 22nd. Wednesday, December 22nd is the date of recording of this episode 24. So we are we are three days from um, a full day of Christmas and a, and a weekend of Christmas leading into to New Year's week. So um, I wanted to talk um, real quick before we get into the calls, um, real quick, take care of, I got to pay some bills, right? So I got I to gotta talk about work for a minute. Um, this is uh, some cool things we've been working on and I want to share with you. I'm just going to, I'm going to blaze through them. The links for any of this, more information will be in the description of not only this live feed, but also into the description of the podcast and the YouTube channel. The first one, which is really cool, we, um, we've created something on our website called our Book Vault. Um, we're often heard and asked about, hey, what books are you reading? What's a good book about this? What's something I can recommend for my project management team or my staff or or myself, or, you know, it, it could be business development, it could be not related, who knows. But uh, Toby and I often talk a lot about the books. These are in the podcast or in lessons or even with clients, we talk about these things. And we just said, what a great platform that we would have just to throw all of these books onto one page with a link where you can go and buy those, whether it's the Kindle or the hardcover or maybe your Audible fan, I don't know. But they're all there. You can go and read the description, figure out what's what. Some of them are flagged as what we call recommended. Restoration Advisors recommends. This is like your go-to. Just you can't skip this book. Um, so that's on there. The link down below, it's Book Vault on the, off of our website. A couple other things real quick. I'm going to blast through this. Uh, three things. Uh, set out this quarter to the team and I and Toby and I and then some others with the really lofty goal. I wanted to create some more digital products that could launch in 2022. You know, usually I'm a fan of doing one thing and not a whole bunch of things. Well, we broke that rule and said, let's just really push it. And it's a lot of nights, a lot of long days and weekends. We've really been putting a lot out, but the world is not moving away from online. So we, we either have to get involved or, or become extinct. So I said, let's just make some products and some services available 
for that virtual world. I like in person. I love in person. I love meeting people. And those will pick back up next year. But this is something to fill that gap. So the first one is last summer with Restoration Advisors, we held four mastermind groups. They, you know, they're what these are, these are peers of of different smaller niche topics, educational topics. Um, and we're doing that again, but this time they are literally small groups. We're calling them workshops. Masterminds seem to be a big thing, but these are restoration workshops around, uh, we have four of them. They last five sessions each spread out every other week, 20 people in there, collaborative, but driven by, uh, you know, our team on coaching pricing, which is estimating inside of outside of Xactimate, creating SOPs for uh, creating an SOP playbook for your business. Everybody wants to have processes and SOPs. Onboarding the client, very popular topic, ties into what we're talking about today. And then sales and marketing, how to just get more leads that don't cost you all of your profit. And, and I think that's what everyone's searching for. And leads that can maybe feed you year-round and create a strong business. That's one product. Those start in January. Enrollment for those, link below. Really priced it affordably for anyone. Um, jump into it. It's not. It's, a, it's an hour every other week. You're with the peers. You're with some collaboration. Collaboration. Pick one of these topics. Maybe pick two, but don't overcommit because we want to make sure you can you can make it. But they're really priced. They're four fifty a piece. I think anybody can afford that for five sessions to walk away with some really good something that can make you thousands or possibly millions. Great. The next big thing that we're going to do, and I got I know we've got some callers getting ready to call in. Just go go look at the link. We have created a massive. I say massive, I don't want to scare anybody away, but a signature course of 45 days to build a strong restoration companies. This is a 45-day course. You will be delivered the lessons one at a time daily, um, about the same time every day, video uh, on different sections, modules, and aspects in a linear fashion from development of your company, from the idea through opening and launching into hiring some people, some culture, um, education, laws, you know, regulations, onboarding clients, some things we talk about all the time, all the way to the last segment, which is bringing all of it in and, and having some scaling. How do you take this model and scale? It's going to be rather simple to watch, but powerful to absorb, meaning whether you're brand new or you've been in the business a while, it's great for you. Last product, really kind of more of a, it's a community. So these other two things or everything that we do from moving forward, we've created an, a community, an online community off of Facebook. We are going to slowly migrate our environment away from social media. We've created a community that looks, feels, tastes, and smells like the, the platform that you're familiar with. So anybody that buys into these products, which are the, 45 days to a bigger business or a strong business and the workshops will be placed into the community for collaboration, peer conversations, kind of like what you already do in a forum, but specifically with people that are going through what you're going through right now with these courses. So you can take these conversations longer. So that's going to be um, bringing back up. And then we're going to be um, bringing back the round tables. If you remember uh, a long time ago when Andy and I, we started a restoration re uh, rebels. We had round tables every week or every other week. We're going to bring something back where we just have a casual get together. 
All right, let's get to it, William. Um, today's topic. I have been in this industry 20 years, and I have always been of the uh, mindset that you only have one client, and that's the insured, the policyholder, the person that purchased a policy from the insurance company. Um, I see, and as a coach, I get way a lot of calls on, I can't get State Farm travelers to pay me for this claim. Um, it's, it's, it's a big conversation. I think we can avoid all this. There's so many moving parts to that and why that happens, but it really can be avoided when you uphold your contractual obligation is to provide an invoice to your client and set terms and expectations that you need to be paid. Um, and, and I want to talk about that today. So maybe they'll come up in the questions, but we wanted to take some callers. Um, we made a post online. I've got some comments here, and there were there were equal numbers of probably more people that agreed that you build a client direct, but a lot of people said, well, how do you do that? Do you just lean the property when they can? Because nobody, customer doesn't have that much money, right? They don't have 6000 12000 14000 Of course they don't. Well, Maybe they don't. Maybe they do. Maybe they have a credit card. You can, you know, I've got some ticks, tricks and, you know, offer some financing. They can go to the bank. They can borrow it. I mean, they should hold their insurance company accountable to refund them or to reimburse them or even advance them to money to pay for the contractor. Pretend you're not a restoration contractor and you're a plumber, you're an HVAC company or any of those. They don't wait on the insurance company. Um, I just think this is a narrative that we need to talk about but there's pros and cons to it some people have made some very valid conversations so i'm going to turn this over listen we are not professional radio hosts and djs we're trying to do something we haven't done before we're trying to bring in live callers into this so i'm going to kick it over to toby and um, i think we have somebody on the line right now i think we've got Hi, clark yeah, we've got John Hawthorne. Can I hope that everybody online can hear. Um, John, just bear with me for a second. If anybody listening can drop a thumbs up that you can hear John clearly. John, where are you from? Well, originally from uh, Savannah, Georgia, but I, I I work up in New Hampshire now. New Hampshire, cool. And I love Manchester, New Hampshire. I love Savannah. Uh, you miss Savannah this time of year, don't you? Uh, absolutely, my friend. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, we got a bunch of thumbs up. Everybody can hear you loud and clear. So, um, John, you know, we haven't met each other. This is very unscripted, and I'm very, very honored that you're calling in. This is exciting. I love live radio. I've listened to Howard Stern my whole life, but I'm not going to pretend that I'm Howard Stern today and be crude. Um, but I, I I love collaborative talking, and, and I'm of the belief that when I do a, a mitigation uh, job and I, a customer hires me to do what I'm specialized in to do, whether it's mold, fire, water, whatever, that it should be a transaction of I'm going to do what I promise. We're going to create a scope of work. You can hold me accountable to that. I'm actually going to create a, a, a contract. And at the end, I'm going to hand you an invoice. I understand that the insurance is involved, but I'm not going to play their game. There's a, there's a, you know, we understand that game. We understand that the insurance just doesn't want to pay full price. And that's, that's their prerogative, but it has nothing to do with me and my business. And I could beat up on that a little bit. So, what's your perspective? How do you approach? Um, how do you approach mitigation or even you know construction niche construction specialty jobs? Well, the first thing is is having an understanding that it is a contractual obligation between you and the insured, you and your customer. Um, I think that 
uh, a lot of times here in the restoration industry is that, just like I just said, is that we talk about the insured. They're, they are an insured, but they're not our insured. That, that, that terminology belongs to the insurance company. They're our customer. Um, and I think that it, it starts the sales process and onboarding or having a contract signed with your, your client or your customer is understanding that they are your customer, not the insured. Um, and uh, explaining the process to them for proper onboarding. I think that's, that's paramount. Yeah, that's key, isn't it? And that's not, that's not something we're taught. And you don't learn that in WRT, right? You learn that in business 101. Um, I think it's fair. Exactly. And I think, I think quite, quite the opposite is I think we're actually trained um, for the insurance language. We think that the insurance language is, is what we should be utilizing for continuity when it, it in my experience, we, sh- we shouldn't embrace that, that thought. Well, I think it's fair to say to plug this in here, John, and you'll agree with me that this conversation is different for those that are on vendor programs that might be a preferred vendor or working on a TPA. You don't, you don't quite have that latitude. You are under an SLA, a service level agreement that you will a price the job according to their guidelines and B you will invoice them and, and essentially play by their rules. And that's a choice that a business can make. I'm not a big fan of building your business around these programs, but I understand where they exist. I understand why they exist. And I understand that some people that's, you know, that's where they get their first, that's where they get their leads from until they, you know, until they build their business and hopefully can find another means and way. But this conversation probably does not apply to that sector. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. John, let me ask you this. And this is, this is, these are just my impressions here. So, so humor me when we talk about it and I agree with what you're saying is, is, you know, you have to onboard, but do you feel in the world? I mean, obviously, okay, let's talk about restoration. You, You don't need to be, you know, there's not a big bar of entry. You know, you don't have to be certified. You don't have to know what you're doing. We obviously know that anybody that was mowing yards for a landscape company last week could go buy dehumidifiers, throw up a website, and 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 do that. So, but I think that there is a huge gap between what our industry values itself and the people that do the work we do, and can can defend it, can justify why we charge what we charge, and, and the value of what we do. Do you agree with that? Do you agree some people just can't sell what we do because of a understanding of why we do what we do? So I wish I could, uh, I wish I could quote you directly in uh, one of the seminars that that you uh, put on uh, a few weeks back. Um, but don't devalue yourself or your services. I think is if I'm quoting you correctly, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that quite often because. A lot of restoration companies are willing to devalue what their services are. Um, it, it's unfortunate. Um, our industry has always been, or I believe our industry is looked at as a bastard industry. It's not construction. It's not necessarily janitorial or cleaning. Uh, it, it falls somewhere in the middle of, of everything. We're we're um, we're an amalgamation of a lot of different talents, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that because we're an amalgamation of things is that people don't necessarily value us um, the way that they should, is that we are true problem solvers 
in a lot of ways within inside and outside of building envelopes. And I think if people would stop and think about the value that we we have uh, for homeowners, business owners, properties, <clears throat> and content, is I think that they may look at the contracting, the contract, and the pricing structure a little differently. I agree with you, um, and I think that leads to a conversation I had last week. And so we're we're all aware that. Um, I guess it's been a week and a half, two weeks ago, Kentucky and parts of Illinois and, and Tennessee took a really big hit from a, t- a pretty massive tornado cell, right? So um, I have a client that's in uh, one of the hard hit areas of uh, Kentucky. And he's got, you know, he's obviously got leads. He's got people in the community that know him. So he's got a lot of structures with roofs ripped off. I mean, serious roof structure system, either impairments or they're missing and the roofers are showing up, and they're temping them in. I wish people would do more with stretch wrap than tarps. But um, he's trying to approach these homes, these families, and say, we need to get in here and start salvaging some contents. We need to dry the structure and start mitigating a little bit. We understand there's a lot of damage here, blah, blah, blah. But what he's getting is a huge pushback from the GC and the builders telling the customer, there's no way you need to pay this guy to come in there with these fancy fans and dehumidifiers and charge you what he charges because it's going to rain again and our tarps are going to leak here and there a little bit. And and we had a conversation. I said, you know, that builder doesn't value that if I can get that home 90% dry and then we have one or two little isolated leaks from a tarp, we have done a lot more. But what's going to happen is this homeowner might have a huge, they may have a low policy limit. And they're going to end up with a total loss and not be able to replace everything as opposed to potentially salvaging some contents, mitigating how much demolition there is and cutting down the cost of the construction. Now, that that goes directly against what the builder wants. He wants a full gut and rebuild. But it's those types of objections. So this is an objection that we're getting not even from the carrier but from another party. And 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 honestly, you know, great client I've got, but he's like, how do I combat that? And we went through it, and that's a whole longer conversation. But, um, you know, you were quoting me a while ago, and I think my quote is, if you don't know what you're worth, how the heck will anybody else know what you're worth? Right? So if you can't defend what we do, don't expect anybody else just to bring it up out of the cloud and bring it down. So we do have to get better at understanding what our value is and where we save the insurance company, you know, we do, we save the insurance company money. We save the homeowner exposure and get them back in their house quicker. So um, that's easier for you and well, I, but that's easy for you and I to say, well, you, John, you, I feel like you've been in the industry a while, but how do we teach the new guys to do that? Well, I, I think that there's such an emphasis on the WTR class and, you know, the structural drying, and those are all great tools for the trade. The issue that I find with a lot of the younger guys is that they're not getting the education on claims. Um, you know, it's not it's not separate. How do you sell a contract about a scope of work that's being um, dictated by coverages? If you don't understand policy, right? I'm not saying interpret policy. That's a different conversation. But if you don't in, if you don't understand what coverages are what the buckets of coverage are, you know, content versus structure versus, you know, you know, on and on and on, right? If you don't understand that, how are you selling that? Mm-hmm. What are you selling? What what product are you selling as a, as a restoration contractor? And I, I think that 
there are there's a tremendous gap in the understanding of claims, claim process, what's paid for, what's not, how it's paid, how it's applied. And like your friend that you were just talking about um, and how general contractors don't necessarily um, value what we do as far as drying the structure and things like that. They look at it, they could possibly look at it as taking money from them when the truth of the matter is if it's about the client, right, if we have the empathy towards the customer and the client and the education to explain the entire process and how they may be out of money, if you've got the house, you may be out of money, yeah. you may not have enough coverage. Right. Um, as restoration professionals, is that, isn't that, I, I would argue that that's part of our job is the education, not only to the client, but to the other people in our industries or in yeah. surrounding industries, yes, the because they have no clue how all that works. They don't. I mean, and that's fair because you know there's things we don't know, right? So this is how we coexist. But I will. I love what you said, and this is um, John. I'll let you go here in a second. But the, the empathy—it's required in this industry, but you can easily overuse that empathy, and your client does not need you to absorb the entire financial burden of their loss. They, they took a loss. We don't have to take it because they're they're not all widow Jones. I say that a lot. I get beat up for it. Not every customer is 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 helpless. Um we need to set the expectation and we have to look at how can we serve this community if we're not profitable so that we can stay open and serve more people. If we put ourselves in a hole because of our heart, that's on us, not them. So I, I see that happen. People they they overuse the empathy. I think it's it's required, but it cannot be the driving force. You can do your job. Do it well. I could not agree more. Yeah, man. Hey, listen, John, dude, I I appreciate you calling in, and I can't wait to get to know you better. I know you you and Brandy are phenomenal stewards of this industry, and I I can't wait to see what else you guys do and pull off. So, thanks for the calling in. Okay. Absolutely. Be well. Look Take forward care. to seeing you on the next trip. Merry Christmas. Be well. Merry Christmas. Cool. That was a. Uh, it worked. I, I think everybody heard that on online, and 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 we're we're onto something here, guys. I love I love live. I love talking. So I think Toby's queuing up the next uh, the next victim. <laughs> but uh, you know what we were talking about there was a couple of points. Um, uh, you know, John happened to agree, and and I don't know who's calling in. I don't have the scripted. On purpose, I didn't want to know. I didn't want to rethink about it too much. I would like someone to call in with some objections. I completely am okay with professional debate. I mean, I agreed that I don't know everything. So, nah, something's not working. Somebody's shy. Some of the comments were um, half terms. You know, a lot of this, a lot of this conversation is is. You don't have to be the bad guy. Um, I, I talked to a friend just a little bit ago before we started this call. I don't know if Brian, Brian, if you're listening, if you want to call in, um, go ahead. Brian's in a unique situation where there's a belief that you might not land as much work if you don't play the game because the carrier is going to probably tell them, I've got a list of people who won't make you pay right away. And, and those are people that are on on their plan. So. All right, we're gonna try. Hello? We're gonna try a caller again. Hello. Hey, who's this? This is Tina Martone. How are you? Hey, man. How are you? Where are you from? I live and work in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Ah, Rhode Island. I, uh, I've done some time in Rhode Island. Uh, the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the the biggest little state in the in the country, right? <laughs> yes, sir. 
Well, cool, man. Well, you uh, you obviously have heard some of the conversation we're having. We're talking about this kind of a divide in our industry about uh, uh, billing the client, holding them accountable, and, and being, I love the word fair, but firm, being fair and, and being, you know, doing the job we're supposed to do, but being firm that the customer has to pay us and because we can't go in the hole. Then there's the other side that says, no, nah, the customer's gone through enough, uh, deal with the insurance company and blah, blah, blah. Where, where do you line up on this one, bud? So I've been doing this for a while now. Um, when when I started in the industry, I was never, it was never even presented that we could invoice the clients directly <laughs> if you always build the insurance company. Um, so over the years, and to go back to your previous uh, discussion, in an effort to add value to my services, to my restoration services, I became a licensed GC and a licensed asbestos inspector as well. Mm. Um, so in, in doing those services, I found, like you said, the plumbers, GCs, no one else invoices the insurance company. Mm-hmm. So that kind of changed my view on it. And, and, and also, those, it's, it's fair to say, those not only do those parties get paid at the end of their service, because they wouldn't be doing it if they didn't, but they also charge more than what we're, quote, unquote, told we can charge, right? So, I mean, if you've ever had, oh, a, yes. if you ever had a plumber come in and do a shower install or something, and you look at what Xactimate pays in, in Massachusetts for that, you're like, <laughs> that plumber says, I don't even get out of bed for that much. And that's legitimate because those prices right. are antiquated. So, you know, it's just a paradigm shift. But, you know, what I, what I heard you say is, and I think this is a big part of this is as someone enters this industry, the, the, the commonality, the, the, the overarching theme is you're going to be in a recession proof industry and you deal with the insurance and the homeowner doesn't have to pay anything. And it's a win-win that, cause that's an easy cop out. That's, you can sell that to anybody. Yep. You can sell water to a whale if you tell them they don't have to pay anything. But that ends exactly. up that ends up putting us into a financial crux. Now, uh, you know every company's different. You know p- some people have a lot more profit and money in the bank. Some people have less. Some people are smaller operations, and those those onesies and twosies fund the next onesie and twosie. And when you don't have those, it causes you the inability to be able to seize opportunities if there's a, a surge or something like that because you're just out of cash. You're out of I call cash fuel. Your, your business is, a, is an airplane and profit is fuel. And if you don't have it, you sit on the runway until someone shows up with a truck and puts a little bit and you can fly a little bit further. And I don't want to run a business that way. So do you offer, um, in your mitigation side, do you, have you ever offered third-party financing? Like, you know, they I think Hearth and Green Sky and some of those things. Do you Have you ever attempted that? Well, here, I, I used to, to be honest. Um, up here, I don't know how things are where you're at, but there's not really a need to. If the insurance adjusters and insurance companies really want to, they can turn around funds in two, two to three days of course. for a client. Of course. So I go out, I write my client an estimate, I tell them what the price is going to be. Um, in that time span, obviously, I have a dehumidifier and air scrubber on site, stabilizing the area. Um, and I tell the homeowners, talk to your adjuster, and they can at least get you a deposit up front. Yeah. I Listen, I hope a lot of people are listening to this. I really, really do, because you have reverse engineered, you have developed what works for your business. And 
I agree with you. Listen, we live in the year 2021. Venmo is a big thing. ACHs, I mean, they right. can they can wire trans. They don't have a problem taking payment every month on the same day, the insurance company. Why can't that be in the reverse? The truth is they just often, if you don't ASK, you don't GET. We teach that in some of my classes. People don't even, if, right. you, if you don't know it's possible, you don't think about asking. But a customer, I'm of the belief that if you walk into a, a, a situation and the customer needs to hire you, they 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 don't know that we're going to finance this thing for them until we tell them. It's too often that we lay our we pull up our skirts and lay out our oh yeah you don't have to pay a dime right. yeah you know and you don't right. have, and some people say oh you don't even have to pay a deductible we'll make that go away which is a terrible terrible thing. I think there needs to be equal and shared value or uh, obligation on both sides that hey there's ownership you've got a role I've got a role the adjuster has a role together we're going right. to knock this out but um. I love the asbestos side. I, I think more people should diversify what they're doing as long as they're structurally in a position where, um, listen, I, I decide what you're going to do and be and, and run them both, but don't start doing something and then put the other one on the back burner because you just confuse the market. But I like that you offer different things, and, and you found a solution. And, and this is what I want more business to do. Just don't look at themselves as helpless and, and, and stuff. So – um, anything else you want to add to this conversation? I appreciate you calling in too, by the way, but anything you want to add before we go? Well, the, the, the biggest two things I could add mm-hmm. is, I, I believe John said it earlier, is education for your clients mm-hmm. on on how claims work and how the insurance companies actually can get them money quickly. Um, and the other one is you and your client need to advocate for each other not necessarily against the insurance company, but you're a team at that point. Right. Well, here's what I want to do. I want to come up to Massachusetts, New Hampshire. Let's do a workshop and you and John join me and let's get 20, 30 contractors in there. Cause you do, you and I both know that the more alike that the industry is, the easier it is to stand united against the force. So, um, John, Correct. you know, I think one more thing that you mentioned that a lot of people don't get, I teach this and I think you know how to do it and we should teach more people how to do it. Learning how to estimate up front and coming up with the value of the claim. A lot of people just use the Xactimate model, said, I don't know what it's going to be until, you know, six days after I picked up my equipment. I mean, that's just not transparent. I would never want you to serve me a steak then throw a bill down saying that's going to be $432. I'd like to see a little bit of expectation up front, and a lot of people don't do that. So it sounds like you do that pretty well. Yeah, well, I mean, again, I've been doing it a long time, and it's it's not difficult to estimate, even through Xactimate. I mean, it, it'll take me, for the biggest estimate, for a giant fill loss, it would take me an hour and a half to do an estimate, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know of any other client, again, take your plumbers, your GCs, that are just going to go out to somebody's house and say, oh, I don't know how much it's going to cost. Don't worry, I'll, I'll invoice these guys later. Right. You you have to put an amount on it. You have to. Well, that's how you get trust. I don't let my guy work on my car with an open checkbook. You're going to call me and let me know what you Correct. find and tell me. So, well, hey, bud, um, I appreciate you calling in. I really do. Stay in touch. Let us know on the page. I, I Again, this is this is fun, and I appreciate your input, and I hope that people are listening. And if people want to reach out to you in the group and ask you more questions, I, I hope they do because the more people like you, myself, and John, and the hundreds of others that agree – I think we can we can change this landscape and help some people make a lot better profits of their companies and not be victims to the insurance company. So, hey, I appreciate you calling. Merry Christmas. No problem. Take it easy. Merry Christmas. 
All right, you as well. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Very cool. So we're uh, we're representing the Northeast real well. Um, I'm, I'm looking. I don't know. Toby's Toby's over here getting the next person up. Toby's gonna. He needs a Christmas bonus. Um, Corey Eddy made a comment on this big post I mentioned on Facebook that every time that we have someone pay before submitting the bill to the insurance, they're always covered 100% minus the deductible. You know, I agree. That's a. That's I wouldn't say. We can't speak in absolutes. Not, not everyone's always covered. But here's the thing is if you don't have the right contract and you had an onboarded your customer, you get on day four. Um, what if that claim is denied? Now you've gone out there and you put in some work and you put some money into it and invested into the job and you're going to make a bad, bad customer unhappy if you just rip off, you know, and pull out of there. So lots of topics about this. Let's see what the next caller we've got. Hello. Hey, Clark, how you doing? Who's this? Hey, this is Ross Harlow up in Connecticut, representing that Northeast again. Oh, man, everybody, is, are y'all the only part of the country not working? Everybody else is in the... <laughs> who, who said I wasn't working? Uh, I, hear, I hear you're scrunching around. Well, hey, thanks for calling in. Um, you've been listening to the conversation a little bit and obviously felt like you wanted to add something. Anything, what, what could we expect to hear from you in Connecticut? Well, you know, it's funny, Clark. I think it's, um, you know, anybody can do what we do. Right. But to really add the value, I think John and Peter both had some great ideas. You know, if you want to charge a premium for your service, you have to add value. You really have to be better. And that has to be part of your marketing. So up front, if you're going to charge more, you have to really have that compassion. You have to have that customer service. I don't care if it's me as an owner operator or a project manager or a lead tech. When you get in there from the very first second you answer the phone, before you do that, put a smile on your face because it makes a difference. Yeah. These people are going through a tough time. And when we're sitting down with the customer, you know, as maybe the guys are kind of stabilizing the situation and we're sitting down going through paperwork, you know, there's still a lot of anxiety and stress that our customers are going through. Walking them through the process, explaining what you're going to do, and then explaining the billing process in part of that preparing them for objections that are going to come up. These are the things that add the value that get them on your side from the very beginning. Well, that's what the customer, what I'm able to believe, and you're right, and when the customer makes an appointment with you through your company, what they're hoping is, I hope I can trust this person. I hope this person, number one, understands what I'm going through. Number two, has the experience to solve the problem I've got. And I hope they're at least flexible and open enough to educate me, treat me like a human, and then, of course, do what they say they're going to do. And I think those are the components that we don't just rush in and say, all right, I'm going to throw some fans, some dehumidifiers, and you don't have to do anything. We'll talk to your insurance company. I just think that leaves, while the customer might feel like, oh, I don't have to pay anything, they still feel out of the loop a little bit, right? They feel like they're not being heard. So I'm, I'm with you. And, and you know, what I, get, what I get a lot of this is, Clark, what happens if you don't get paid on the day you pick your equipment up? Well, listen. That's not always going to happen, but your contract is going to hey, say, listen, you know, if you can't pay, you know, if you don't have the funds, put this on your credit card and people, believe me, people have some money sometimes and they get reimbursed, but I'll say, listen, I can extend 14 days interest-free credit. That's, you know, that's understandable. I understand this is a big epidemic situation and, but I'm going to give you the documentation. You're going to have an invoice, but I need you to call your carrier daily if it requires and you need to ask questions about when am I going to have a check and how much is it going to be for to make sure it's going to cover everything. And if not, 
why is there a difference? Why are you saying that this isn't covered when there's nothing written in my policy about that? Those are the conversations contractors should be having to best present themselves as advocates for the customers, right? But I, uh, I don't think any... I don't think any regular customer, any regular home or business owner really believes that you can come in there and do all this work for expensive with specialty people and then wait 90 days to get paid. I think most people have enough wherewithal to say, how would they survive doing that, right, without charging me interest and blah, blah, blah. So um, I'm still looking for somebody that does, that says, you know, listen, you, you, you can't build a customer. They're going through enough. Um we got to build the insurance company and just wait. That's the game, and, and that's the world we live in, blah, blah, blah. And I'm wanting to have that conversation with somebody, but it sounds like you guys have, you know, gotten some scar tissue, been around the block a few times, took a few wallops, and developed, say, I'm going to design this. I'm not going to forever keep making the same mistakes. I'm going to build a system. And it, in your terms, it comes into education, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it starts on day one when you get in there. It starts, you know, it starts and from the phone you, call. It starts from the phone call. Yeah, well, this is true. Yeah, agreed. And you're, and you're, you know what? I also say it starts on your website. There's some subtle language you can put on your website and say, we work for the customer. We, we are going to be the solution that you need. And we feel like we're the premier in the market, you know, and, and watching, you know, I know it's easy to say that, but you'll see shortly by everybody in our company is going to be saying the same thing. So. Um, I, I, yeah, we put together, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Clay. No, go well, ahead. we put together a list of questions that people can use with their carriers. You know, are you authorized to settle my claim? And a lot of different questions that they can ask their carrier mm-hmm. and they can, you know, we put the information on there so that they can put down the phone number and their adjuster and everyone else. Mm-hmm. Of course it's branded, but you know, it's the kind of thing that they can use. But the power, then, the you know, even when I'm following my, my collection process, mm-hmm. like, listen, we're going to bill you at this date. This is what's going to happen. We're going to give you a final, you know, final notice. Then at this date, we're going to file a notice of intent to file a lien and all the way down. And it's never, it's never a surprise. And we're always, this is a reason for you to go back to your insurance company and say, how come my guy's not paid yet? Well, but it's also protecting me and my company. It, it, it is. And, and, um, you know, I, I just think you're hundred percent right on all this. And I, and I, I, I think, um, you know, I would rather know up front, if I've got a customer that has no intention to pay me or to fight for themselves and I might be waiting 120 days or 90 days or get paid at all, I'd rather know before I put any money into this thing so I can walk away from the jobs. Cause the best jobs I ever did are the ones I didn't do. <laughs> I'm sure you, I'm sure you can agree with you that. Need, yeah. You need to say that again, cause the guys and gals out there that need to know that they have to walk away. Not everybody is your customer, right? Not everyone. And yeah. back to your list of questions. We we put those in the groups years ago, and that's been going around. It's called the power questions, and a lot of people have them and modified them. But I, I, I go one step further. Just to make it look like we're not just combative with a carrier, I'm going to make a list of questions they should be asking me because I'm going to – listen, you ask me questions, I'm going to give you a direct answer, and I'm going to absolutely let you hold me accountable I think that should be happening on both sides. You should hold the yeah, – we all work for the customer. They should treat the insurance company like they are in charge, and the insurance company should answer to them. And if they don't like what they're hearing, they ask for a supervisor. They climb the ladder. I, I tell people, you have the power. You are not You are not in a submissive position with your carrier. You, you pay your premiums, 
um, hold them accountable. They're supposed to make you whole when you have a tragedy or something like that. So the last caller said the same thing. He said, you know, get a deposit. They, you know, they're staying at a, at a hotel. They got to get a rent house or get some temporary furniture or clothes. The insurance company has no problem funding them some money for that. Well, why not for the services that we're doing? So I think, um, I, I hope again, I I'm with you. I hope this video podcast gets replayed a hundred times over the next few years and people have aha moments and say, oh my gosh, I've been doing it wrong or this is this is not how they did it when I worked at so-and-so. I went and started my own and I just, I kept doing what somebody else showed me how to do and it just never made sense, but now it does. So, um, but I, I, I want to help educate people that we don't have to be broke because we are worth it. If you're not worth it, then you shouldn't be paid anything. If you're a scumbag, if you're a hack, if you don't know what you're doing, you know what? You're on your own. <laughs> but if you're really providing good service and you're somebody that I would call a peer in the industry or that that you would you yourself in Connecticut would say, Hey, I would let that guy walk onto my job site. He's my he's my ally. He's not my competitor. And I think we just need to build it up from there. Absolutely right, Clark. Thanks. I really appreciate all that you do for the industry too. Hey man, Merry Christmas and uh talk to you in the new year. Go kill it. Thank you, sir. Merry Christmas. All right, let's go, Brandon. All right. I think we got somebody else coming on. I looked at the screen. I saw who it was. Hey, can you drop him? I don't want to talk to him. I'm kidding. Uh, let me know. Let me know with the thumbnail. So a good bunch of calls, but uh, I, I want some I want some objections. I want someone who doesn't agree with me. I, I want to I want to learn here. Are we are we good to go? Hello, caller. Yes, is this Brian Daughtry? Hey Clark, Brian Daughtry. How are you, sir? Oh my gosh, man! Everybody, this is an honor to to have Brian on the phone. Where are you at, Brian? I'm sitting in dead stop traffic in lovely Washington, Pennsylvania. Washington, PA. Cool. You're heading uh, to Maryland, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, got some Christmas plans. Well, uh, everyone, John, Brian Daltrey uh, is the owner of a, a very, very good restoration company, um, White Glove Service in Columbus, Ohio. Does a fantastic job. Uh, this is fifth year for you, Brian. Is this five or six years? Seventh year. Seventh. Excuse me. So you know, not not a newbie anymore. A little past the sophomore year, has learned a lot. And um, you and I talked a little earlier. You called you called me and said, "Hey, I'd like to jump on the call," and, and I'm glad we made it work. So we're talking about billing the insured, and you had a, a unique perspective. Why don't you tell us your thoughts on that? Well, my my response to your your topic uh, that you and I discussed about trying to build a client directly in my market, while I'd love to do that and where I have been able to do that, I've certainly seen clients reimbursed a hundred percent in full, um, which is obviously a big motivating factor for me to want to be able to do that. But it's, I find all my work organically. We don't do any program work. So we work so hard to get every possible lead that we can and, and differentiate ourselves from the preferred providers that it becomes, if you try to push a customer to pay you versus in their preset mindset, they're going to, you know, that the insurance company is going to take care of this outside of their deductible. It becomes, it puts me at a big disadvantage because I'm already having to convince them why they should consider utilizing us over the preferred provider that their insurance company swears is who they would be best off using. 
So it just becomes another, we already have a couple hurdles we need to overcome in order to win these customers, which we're successful in doing, but I, I can't create any more hurdles for myself than I've already got in the overall scheme or picture. Okay. Um, can I ask you a question or two? Um, what's your, if you don't mind sharing, tell me if you don't, what's your average receivables? What's, what's, what do you think is like currently the environment? What, how long is it taking you to get paid and collect? I mean, of course it's all over the board, Clark, but on average it's between 14 and 21 days. Now, in the first three years of business, it was more like 45 to 90 days. Well, so you mentioned, you mentioned I've learned a lot of things or I have a lot of knowledge. I learned a lot of lessons the really hard <laughs> and a lot of them the very expensive way. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say that 14 to 21 days is certainly within a very acceptable range for I think a lot of people would be even if they even if they are not billing the insurance correct, they would love to have those terms. And I, just because I know you, I'm going to probably tell some people out there, and, 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 or, and I'm going to ask you, what do you think is the contributing factor to make that needle move from where you were when you started to what, what are you doing different to get that 14 to 21 days as opposed to the longer ones before? What what did you change in your company? It's, it's, a, it's a lot of little things, but the, the one biggest factor is the level set platform that we leverage and the service that they offer. Um, it, it completely just, just that one solution completely transformed our entire collections process. That's, you know, that, that wasn't the answer I thought you were going to give. And, and, but I, now that I know level set, everyone is a, is a company and this is not a sponsored ad for them, but, they are partners of mine in my other company, the Alliance of Independent Restores. Level Set is a lean process software management. They kind of handle the whole thing in a really creative, customizable way that doesn't create a lot of friction. But, you know, Brian, I always expect you to say just documentation, like, you know, just really learning what a good documentation package looks like for the ins the insured to be able to get reimbursed and, and not and cut out some of that review time would you agree that that's improved for you absolutely and that goes into the lots of little things and i don't mean to to downplay the importance of documentation by any means but I mean, it was a lot of things put together that that helped us again transform our entire collections process and paperwork is certainly a big piece of that too yeah, paper, paper, you know, documentation. I think you're, you're onboarding your clients, you know, training your techs and your team how to talk to everybody from the beginning and, and you know, fair but firm and, and comp, humble confidence and stuff like that. So so the argument you've made is is while it's not, it's of course it's not black and white, but it's it's that, you know, some markets, depending on the, the, the saturation, the number of uh, whether it be franchises or independents and programs and just to, Honestly, the financial and cultural makeup of the demographic that lives there, it's just going to be a little bit different and everyone has to find it. So you, you're you still, you're billing the insurance company, but you're obviously keeping the insured involved, but they're, you're, you're really, you're really stringing that out and, and letting them get reimbursed for yours. And I know that you've had, I know that you've had some dealings with the Department of Insurance and the Attorney General in Ohio for some some that went sideways. And and those were jobs, if I'm remembering right, and I don't want to mention the carrier, 
you had a client that paid you in full, but then would not get reimbursed by the insurance company for what you billed. Is that accurate? That is accurate. That is accurate. And the other, the other situations typically involved, um, where we were trying to be price fixing whistleblowers, um, with ODI or the Ohio department of insurance. Yeah. But yes, that situation is correct. Well, and that's important because now we're talking about creating a customer who doesn't have a, you did a good job. You, you know, you, you recovered the house. The situation was great. The team was great. Probably got a good review, but now they're left with a taste in their mouth saying, wait a minute. Uh, the insurance company's saying that, you know, Brian Daughtry charges too much. He's got his own price list because he doesn't use Xactimate. And, and they're going to believe that. But they're going to believe because now they're holding the bag on a couple of thousand dollars. So, and I, you know, going back to Brian, I know that people that are listening heard Brian say, you know, no program. Uh, and you fight real hard for every job you get and lead you get an opportunity. That also comes into your incredible online digital reputation with your reviews. And, You've got to, that's a currency, right? That's got to, you've got to continue to nurture and feed that piece because if you make customers unhappy or you don't handle it the right way, you just plop an invoice on their kitchen table, say, here, pay me, or I'm going to take your front door off or something like that. It's not going to work. So I think that there's certainly some gray area for that. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. And I think the, the online presence is, is absolutely the most, especially for us, again, who get all of our leads organically, it's the single most important weighing factor in driving business in our door. Yeah. So we're very conscious of, and we're always working on that, you know, where we are with our five-star reviews and the number of them and everything. Um, and there's a lot of situations where I've, I've made probably what I knew was the wrong decision as far as what was wrong or right with a customer but what was the right decision as far as the way it might portray us, you know, in a negative light, if, if someone were to be upset and go on a social media spree, you know, for example, if you do a perfect job with a customer, perfect job. And a month later they come back and say, we think you might've scratched our hardwood floor and we need you to refinish the entire hardwood floor. I'm going to refinish that floor versus, you know, taking the chance of having a, a really negative social media situation transpire from that. Wow. I shouldn't say it that bluntly because each thing is going to be case by case, but, but it's that important to me that, that we have that really strong online presence because I've again learned the hard way that there, everyone is turning to the internet yeah. to find a provider when they did not plan in advance for a tragedy and need somebody right then and there. Well, and they want to see, they want to see a couple of things. They want to see a robust website. They want to see video content on the website, but they absolutely want to see a boatload of five-star reviews. Not to say that they all have to be five-star, but you need the lion's share to be for sure. Yeah. So I, I will tell you that I probably would have a real hard time refinishing a whole house for a scratch. I mean, obviously I guess it happens, um, but that's, yeah. But I, listen, I, I hear where you're coming. You're playing. You're playing the long. You're actually playing the strategic game, um, because it's what's worth. What's worth the battle now? But what's the war look like, right? So you, you're. Um, but I also, you know, just say, guys, if for anybody listening, that's talking. You know, this is not just you turn a switch and you bill your client or not bill your client. I mean, as Brian said, there's a lot goes into it. And Brian, you're very. You priced yourself in the market as a premium, relatively premium contractor, which yields profit. 
which gives you the f- extra fuel in the tank to, to kind of not be strapped every single week. I'm, just, I'm not going to say you're rolling in cash, but if you if anyone here is is pricing their jobs just almost at the break even, you can't finance jobs. You're starving, and you can only do two jobs at a time until you get one paid. And I, I know a lot of people are in that hamster wheel, Brian. Is is so if you're going to you know just everything, every push is a pull. Every every push on this button means it's going to have an equal re- or or adverse reaction somewhere else. But the last thing I heard you say, Brian, was um, you know that online, you're talking about that online digital presence and, and I get the call or Toby gets a call just about monthly or sometimes weekly. I'm on too many programs. How do I get off that program? Well, let's go take a look at your, let's see what your digital footprint looks like. Well, you don't have one. Well, that's where you start because you don't exist if your customers can't look and, and validate you. So I, I, right. I, I hear you, Brian. I just, I just can't. Cause what I, well, the last caller I was going to bring up is what I don't, want is is 25 35 40 days ago and then here comes this carrier or third party trying to negotiate my bill and then i'm looking like you know to the conscience to the customer that oh my you know you're not playing fair with my insurance they want a little bit less and you won't settle this we can't get paid so and then you know here's this lien that's popping up on my on my radar and I just don't want to be in a position where I'm ever feel like I work for the insurance company. And, and I, I know it's not that black and white and I appreciate your perspective. And I certainly know that every market's not the same and your <laughs> the results are there. You're, you're doing it right. You're doing something right. Even if you, you know, not everything's a home run, right? Baseball's singles and doubles. That's right. Some, sometimes walk, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Well, hey, listen, no well, hey, listen, Merry Christmas to you and, and, and the family. Be careful in PA. I hope that traffic gets moving soon, and I appreciate you calling in. Thanks, Mark. See you. Take care. Later, man. Well, we had a, a you know a pretty good conversation there, and Brian does. Brian has has I wouldn't say mastered. He would never let me say he's mastered the the art of of digital, but um, he knows that that is you know and that was a weakness at one point for him, and it was a weakness one time for me. Um, this is the world we live in. We've got to find it and, and bring that up. So I don't know if we have any more callers. No. Listen, um, I don't want to drag this on. I don't want to just, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I, I just, if nothing else, let's, let's bring this all back in. Um, if you are finding yourself in a position where you need to ask the question about why won't ABC Insurance pay me, I want you to first catch yourself and and realize what you just asked was not the right question and you won't get the right answer. The insurance company doesn't pay you. I don't know any project that I've ever been on or anyone that I know that the actually the insurance company or any party that works for the insurance company signed your contract. Um, they don't own the property. They cannot legally authorize you to do anything. And they will tell you that. When you press on an adjuster, they'll tell you, well, I can't tell you what to charge. You know, I really I can ask you to change your price, but it doesn't mean you have to listen to me. So the insured is your, your client. Then you can just onboard them. Work on, work on if you, and I say this all the time, put yourself as the consumer. Would you want to be left out of the, would you want to be left out of the entire picture? Would you want, a, a contractor and an insurance company 
behind your back, in the shadows, on their own calls, without you involved? Would you want them negotiating and, and, and deciding what happens with your house? Because a couple things happen there. You might have a carrier. Carrier wants to pay less. That's just that's just their business model is collect this much, pay out this much. It's called a loss, uh, loss gap. It needs to be bigger. That's just a business. It's not even personal. Don't take it personal. They're not saying you suck. They just don't want to pay in full. And, and you've got a homeowner who believes and trusts their insurance company because they've known them a lot longer than they've known you. Um, just think you just got to have a conversation and say, we're just, we're, we're, we're a small to medium sized company that, um, feels like we play an important role in the community and we have to be solvent. We have to be cash flow positive. And, um, I can't speak for the rest of the industry. You might hear that some people don't make people charge, but we do. It's just our business model and it's non-negotiable. So I, I ran a company here in Virginia and, and, would ask on the beginning, on the onboarding, we would ask a customer, you know, this is how it's going to go. We kind of outlined it and said, this is day one through four or five, whatever it's going to be. On the last day, we're going to pick up equipment. You're going to sign a statement of work complete. We're going to have an invoice that's going to be the preliminary number that we put on the job and or any included approved change orders that if we came across something else, we would have presented that to the customer. We're going to hand you an invoice in total, that includes both of those with all the documentation you would ever need to get reimbursed, how would you like to pay us? Customer will say, well, okay, makes sense. I've got to pay a contractor when I'm finished. And how much is it? It's $8,200. I don't have that much. Okay, well, you, know, you have a credit card. You have a bank. Go to, down to Wells Fargo. Go to the Bank of America, and you have a get a loan, line of credit. I, you know, if it's not the bank, it's you. And you're not charging interest. Some people do charge interest, but we're not a bank. I'd rather have that sum. The insurance company knows they've got it. So um, on the first day, say, here's the original invoice. This is undisputed amount. Send this to your insurance company. Let's get this in the in the mix and the hopper. But at the end of the day, uh, not everyone agrees with me. I, I wish we'd have had some real pushback on this. Not everyone agrees. And you do what you want. I mean, it, it's it's I, I have no vested interest in anybody's thing but in anybody's business and, and your financials it's, it's your business it's not my I'm not trying to advocate that everyone do what I do but what I want and what I desire and what I strive for is an industry that as as I, I think it was was it Peter that said it and pretty much everybody said it, just value yourself know what you're worth let's raise the bar because we are all struggling to stay afloat because of the ones that are dragging us down it's the truth I don't care who you are you're going to agree with me. There's a certain element. If we can if we can improve that and either march them out or march them up and, and we can change the narrative a little bit and, and start holding our client financially liable and, and put the obligation on them, I think we will start to see a shift. I don't have a I've never had a problem telling the customer that we bill the customer. I worked in commercial space. The customer paid us. They got reimbursed from the insurance company. I know commercial has more money, but make it easy. Have some financing. But anyway, work it out with your team. Listen, at the end of the day, if this is something you want to do, give us a call at Restoration Advisors. We're going to have some classes on this. We're going to have coaching and consulting on it. If you just want to have a conversation, get a hold of us at restorationadvisors.com. Uh, or, or or do it your own way. I really just wanted to open this conversation up. I think it was really good, Toby, right? I mean, we had some good calls. I think we had some viewers on Disaster Podcaster. 
And um, listen, um, it's, I want everybody to have a Merry Christmas. I'm going to have one more. Um, we're going to close out season one. This is our season one, episode 24. We're going to have episode 25 that will air next week. Um, probably won't be live. I think we're going to record it and put it out as a podcast and video. But this, we're going to do a couple of them. Uh, on this one, this is going to release on Friday. If you want to hear this again, it's going to be here in the group. It's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on our website. It's going to be everywhere. Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, everywhere. But um, I want everybody to have a very Merry Christmas and really, really, really be thankful that we work in an industry that uh, we get to care about the customer, serve a need, and if we do it right, get paid real well and build build some generational wealth so we can impact and, and build other dreams and other lives for people to work for us. So if nothing else, I just wanted to tell everybody thanks, Merry Christmas, and that's going to wrap up episode 24. Take care, everyone.